Okay, this one, this one has everything. Drama, tech, rumors, salt, so much salt. First, it was a sketchy story about Project Titan, the Apple car, going into production as soon as next year. Then it was a slightly less sketchy report about production actually kicking off in 2024 or 2025, and with newfangled battery tech to go with it. But no one bothered to fact check the actual newfangledness of that report, because when someone poke tweeted it at Tesla CEO and Martian colonist one, Elon Musk, well, Elon just flamethrowered a reply right back at Apple CEO, Tim Cook. And it's a lot. So to help us make sense of it all, I've called up one of the most accurate financial analysts in the business, at least on this planet, above Avalon's Neil Seibart. Sponsored by CuriosityStream. The way I would approach a tweet like that is to figure out what is the context here. And this didn't come out of left field. We had rumors, we had stories, it was from Reuters, that Apple is planning to begin production of an Apple car. And that is what was leading the news cycle. I think I saw earlier in the day, or maybe the day prior, it was trending on Twitter, which is interesting. I think it's been a couple of years since the idea of an Apple car was trending. So people were talking about it. And I think that kind of contributed to this idea of, um, I believe Elon Musk was responding to a tweet that, in my in my opinion, the tweet really wasn't framing app Project Titan correctly, but it was almost sort of like baiting Elon Musk to respond. Um, and then he he mentioned how yeah I I went to to try to get a meeting with Tim Cook and I think one of the things that caused it was that the report from Reuters said that Apple was working on some newfangled battery technology, and a lot of people just reported and responded to that without researching that it was a known and existing battery technology. Right. Yeah. And and even just the broader idea of Project Titan being completely centered on battery tech. I I, I had questions about that when I first read read it. Um, But yeah, I mean, what the the tweet did, though, is it pushed the idea of Apple and Tesla M&A back into the spotlight. And this is something that as a financial analyst, I have heard for years in terms of people making the claim, oh, Apple needs to buy Tesla. Look at look at what happened to Tesla's market cap. Yeah. Apple missed an opportunity. You also have um, Elon Musk. In a way, this is my interpretation, but the tweet was almost meant to say, you know, Tim Cook, he didn't get it. You know, he didn't see this. I I I gave him the opportunity to acquire us at what was it, 60 billion, 70 billion. He couldn't even bother taking the meeting. He didn't even want to talk to me. So it's sort of, I thought it was kind of a, a indirect jab at, at Tim Cook and, and Apple in general. And, and as you were mentioning earlier, te- Elon Musk and Apple, they don't exactly get along. And the poaching is one reason where you do have movements of, of, of talent between the two companies. But I think in some ways, it's also just this idea that when Apple enters new industries, there is this this sort of feeling of, well, now we are entering with what we think is best for consumers. We're we're going to have a new type of experience. And I could see Elon Musk saying, well, wait a second, you know, electric cars, I mean, this is something that that Tesla and and we did. So for Apple just to come on in and say, 
well, we we have a slightly different take on this. I could see him sort of kind of wanting to push back on that. And it's weird, though, because Elon Musk has always said he welcomes competition. He wants more people in the EV space. And it makes sense because if you get more people selling electric vehicles, that's going to help the movement going forward. And that's always been his goal. So it's, it's always been a little bit weird to me that he doesn't seem to have an issue with legacy automakers coming into the EV space. But whenever the topic comes back to Apple, he always sort of has these weird comments of, oh, yeah, well, you know, if judging by, you know, Johnny Ives designs, it's this or that. You know, it, it, it's just, it's always some sort of snide remark or, or jab. Or to your point, uh, he was upset about Doug Field going to Apple, but Chris Latner basically announced Swift at WWDC, then packed his bags and went to Tesla. He didn't last there, but like the intention was just to pluck Latner right out of Apple, put him into Tesla and let him run. The idea of Elon Musk and Apple talking together or, or just sort of investigating the possibilities, that, that item by itself isn't that surprising. You would expect a company of Apple's size to be talking to a lot of companies, a lot of management teams. There's plenty of different... Uh, uh, different ob- objectives that they could maybe work together on sharing. So the idea that, oh, you know, Elon Musk, I think it was even back in 2013 or 2014, the reports that Elon Musk was talking to, um, I believe it was Apple's head of M&A, mm-hmm. it, but he wouldn't comment that it was actually about an acquisition. It could have been about something else, maybe a partnership of, of some technology or component. That doesn't surprise me one bit. It's just this idea of, Oh, I, I I wanted to meet Tim Cook to actually talk about acquiring us, and and he couldn't he couldn't bother me. He didn't want to even meet with me. It 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 just it was more silly than anything else, and and it seemed like that that's what the reaction was. I had some people saying, "Oh, this is ridiculous. Don't don't really read it. Can't read into that tweet." Other people sort of going after Apple, saying, "Oh yeah, they could have got Tesla for sixty billion. Now look at it, it's at six hundred billion. And even some people saying. It's kind of weird that Elon Musk is actually bragging that he was trying to sell the company during a, a, a difficult period. That's kind of weird. So, yeah, it just ends up putting a lot more attention on this idea of tech companies, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet. They're still interested in transportation. You have Tesla, clearly a, a first mover in terms of getting people excited about electric cars getting a lot of people on the road, getting a lot of data, uh, learning a lot about manufacturing. That's another thing that I think Tesla and Apple are always sort of going back and forth. Apple knows a thing or two about manufacturing. Um, And in some ways, Tesla had to learn that. And I think there's this still this feeling that Elon Musk has where he in some ways thinks, well, I have developed the best manufacturing apparatus for a car. And I think Apple has a thing or two to say about that in which they can take the playbook that they've developed over decades in terms of creating million, hundreds of millions of personal gadgets and figuring out, well, how do you take aspects of that and making millions of cars? It's something that we have not seen yet. It's something that really doesn't exist yet. You hear a lot of uh, hot takes about Apple should buy Sony or Disney or Nintendo or Netflix uh, or Tesla increasingly. Just looking at sort of the big M&A suggestions in general and Tesla in specific, what do you think about Apple's approach to those things and would there be any benefit in them? Apple 
looks at M&A as a tool. And so the way I think of it is they don't use M&A to acquire just strong brands or good products. That's not enough. There needs to be more there besides just a strong brand or a great product. There's no rule that Apple needs to own every great product in an industry or that's in in existence. Apple also doesn't use M&A to acquire revenue. So you don't have Tim Cook, you don't have him looking at the top line saying, we need to grow, we need to get that revenue number up. Let's use M&A to acquire companies that have revenue that are seeing growth. Let's just acquire them, bring them into the fold, and then we have growth. They don't look at M&A like that. And they don't use M&A to acquire users. I don't think Apple looks at M&A in those terms. Instead, they look at M&A as, as a way of acquiring talent, technology. Think of Tesla. The most valuable thing there, I think, is the talent. You could say that about Apple too. It's the talent. That's what it's all about. It's putting that talent into a framework where processes guide product development and you have culture. That's that's it just kind of all comes together. And so Apple looks at M&A as well, how do we acquire teams of talent and ta- uh, and and technology that we need to fill in holes in our asset base. So maybe they're working on AR, VR uh, devices and they need some technology, they need maybe new thinking or some help in a certain area. They will use M&A to go out and and buy smaller companies and teams. A lot of these acquisitions are so small, we never hear about them. So that's very different than, as you were saying, acquiring the big flashy names that everyone's talking about. Netflix, Sony, Disney, Tesla. If you notice, it does change every year. <laughs> so I think the latest one that I get incoming questions about, it's Peloton. So that, that's what everyone's talking about now. It, it's remarkable, though, for a company to have so much cash on the balance sheet and not pursue M&A. In some ways, that's more impressive than companies that are very quick at spending that cash. There's no easy way of, of acquiring massive companies with huge footprints, tens of thousands of employees, um, businesses that maybe Apple just isn't interested in. Apple may be interested in one part of it, but not everything else. So that all comes into play when per- thinking about companies that Apple should or needs to acquire. Uh, Over the next four or five years, as this plays out, if that's the timeline, what are you going to be looking for? I mean, even more than beyond just more rumors about Tesla, what are you going to be looking for specifically with Apple and the car project uh, going forward? Yeah, two things would be any news on a manufacturing front, because I do think as Apple talks to more third parties, suppliers, component companies, assemblers, you're probably going to hear rumors. People are going to want to talk. They're going to go to the press. Oh, guess who just came in? Apple. They're they're interested in this. They're interested in that. I also would be monitoring the broader auto industry, taking a look at what is going on, who's seeing success, who's failing, is there consolidation? You're basically taking a look at, is there room? Is there a spot for Apple to enter and really have a viable go-to-market strategy? It's one thing just to say, Apple's developing a car. Well, who's going to buy the car? Is, some, is a consumer going to buy it? Is How is the finances going to work? 
there has to be a clear go-to-market strategy. Look at things like Apple Watch, iPhone. It's pretty straightforward, which you have you have a consumer buying it um, or you have a business buying it. So you need to sort of look at, is there a model that's maybe working in the auto industry that Apple can expand on? Or maybe you can see, well, wait a second, there is starting to see companies like Foxconn, um, maybe you know they are moving more into automobiles. That's the type of stuff that I would be looking for as clues. Okay, we are getting closer to something, or vice versa. This still doesn't look likely, um, and then that that gives you at least some context for figuring out. Okay, this seems like it's actually doable. This seems likely in the next couple of years. Versus, I just don't see it yet. I, the industry just isn't ready for a new player like Apple. As always, you can find the full extended version of this video up on Nebula. That's the streaming platform I'm building along with my education creator friends like Alex, the low-spec gamer, Jordan Harrod, TechAlter, Epos Vox, Real Engineering, Real Science, Braincraft, and so many more. It's a place where people who just don't want to watch on YouTube can still watch or where we can put extended and bonus content without having to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates, watch time, or the algorithm, even ads. You can find all of my videos there completely ad-free, including Apple Talk, my new Psychology of Technology podcast with psychotherapist Georgia Dow, which has a bonus topic only available on Nebula. So what does all of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for just the best documentaries on the internet, they love educational content and thoughtful creators. And so we worked out a deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream with the link in the description, not only will you get CuriosityStream, but you'll also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 41% off, 41% for the holidays, an even better best deal, just the best deal in the business. So click on the link in the description and get CuriosityStream for less than $12 a year, a year, and Nebula for free. Or go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational content directly. Just click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. And clicking on that link just really helps out this channel. For a ton more on Apple's upcoming products, click the playlist above. I've got in-depth previews and explainers, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. So just click that playlist, and I'll see you in the next video.